As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So, all those top-secret documents found in uh, Joe Biden's garage right next to the car, how did they get there? They were just misfiled. It was a simple misfiling. This is his latest uh, denial. Hang on, okay? Look, as we found... Uh, we found a handful of documents were failed, uh, were filed in the wrong place. We immediately turned them over to the archives and the Justice Department. We're fully cooperating, looking forward to getting this resolved quickly. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. Thank you. <laughs> he said uh, he has no regrets. It's the kind of thing you say uh, around resignation time, isn't it? Oh, Joe, this is just a misfiling. Yeah, you misfiled them. You don't misfile things in your garage. You throw a bunch of trash in the garage. What is going on here? Joe is in serious trouble. That, whatever it was, is not going to cut it. Uh, and here's more evidence that he's in real trouble. His base, the mainstream media, they're turning on him. Now, they haven't finally found their courage. They're being encouraged by Democrats, probably, the deep state, who knows. But they're talking about stuff that we were talking about four years ago. Joe Biden's brothers have repeatedly referenced him in their private dealings. Frank Biden, a developer of for-profit charter schools, has invoked his brother in trying to convince local officials to approve his projects, like in Sunrise, Florida, where he told the city in 2015 to trust his venture. Not because of Frank but because of the honor of being the brother of a guy I think we all know and love. In 2021, at a gathering of medical professionals, he made this pledge. The bully pulpit that I have as a result of the privilege of being associated with, with my brother Joey. And I'll do everything in my power to support you to get the job done, to get federal dollars to your research. Frank Biden told CNN there has been zero interaction between his brother's public office and his private business, adding, do I engage in any way in quid pro quo on any level? Absolutely not. Wow, I had not seen that footage before. He was doing it in 2021. What? You hear that? I'm a Biden. I'm going to get you federal money. CNN goes on. Uh, <laughs> the game has changed, folks. Kathleen Clark, a government ethics expert, calls it all troubling. We have exi certainly examples of Biden family members explicitly trading on his name, trying to convince business partners to, to do deals with them. Um, that's outrageous. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> finally! Finally! Uh, look, again, it's not because they suddenly found their courage. They are being pushed. By Democrats who want to take Joe out. I know it. I know it. And this is highlighting all of Joe's problems. Uh, personal corruption, potentially. Uh, staffing issues. Talk about staffing issues. That press secretary. Yikes.
On Friday, did you or did you not know about the additional five? I, I already, I literally just answered that question. But I, I, I missed just, it, so is it yes or well, no? Well, I, I mean, you're you're not too far sitting next to her, so I was very clear. I provided I provided the information that you all had at the time, and know? I confirmed. No, I did not know. I'm saying I had the information. I actually said this to Cecilia. I had the information that you all had at the time, right? And so this is why I also said to Cecilia, this is why we are trying to be very prudent here. She could not spin. What's an easy thing to spin? I don't know. A fourth grader not doing their homework, something like that. She's in way over her head. How did this happen? This is a presidential spokeswoman. They didn't look at her credentials. They didn't look at her skills. What did they look at? The thing that apparently, for some reason, she's most proud of, her gender, her race, and her orientation. I am a black gay immigrant woman, the first of all three of those to hold this position. Can we talk about you as a trailblazer? the first black, the first immigrant, the first openly gay person to hold the job of White House press secretary. Any young, young girl or young boy, when they look up, they see me, that they know that they can dream big and even dream bigger. There's a knowingness that you are different and you're trying to figure out. And at 16, I came out to my mom. She did not take it very well. I said to her that I was a lesbian, that I was gay. All right. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about the orientation, the race, the gender. Nobody, nobody. Maybe the woke left, maybe Democrat Party chieftains, maybe Joe Biden. Who the? But regular people don't care. She has made a career out of being this way. Uh, she wrote a book, didn't talk much about the book, talked about the three or four favorite things about herself. The doors to the halls of power were beginning to open up. People like me walked through and for the first time felt like we belonged. And then they tried to shut the door on us. Ah, yes, shut the door on us. It's called an election, okay? The other guy won. Political turnover, it happens. Uh, here's the part about those three or four things she loves so much. The man who is now sitting in the building I used to work in hates everything that I am. A black, gay, immigrant woman there is a black gay immigrant woman. Again, it's irrelevant. We don't care. It's not helping you right now. And that's quite a statement, huh? Donald Trump hates you because you're a black gay immigrant woman. Well, that's not true. He loves people. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you came from. And I think he was friends with a black gay immigrant woman or two. Let's go through. Uh, let's see. This is, uh, okay, that's Martina Navratilova, famous tennis player. Uh, I believe she's gay. I believe she's an immigrant. Uh, that is a woman. Let's see who else is on the list here. Elton John, not a woman, happens to be gay, from the UK. That would make him an immigrant. Although, did he become a citizen? I don't know. Uh, let's see, who else? Ooh, that guy on the right. Uh, that is the late Andre Leon Talley. Great guy. Although I think he's from North Carolina, uh, definitely gay, definitely black, uh, and definitely friends with the... Tr it goes on and on and on like this. Naomi Campbell, supermodel. No idea what her orientation is, but she came from the UK. All right, we've been through a whole bunch here, and I can't find a black gay immigrant woman for sure. Maybe she's onto something, huh? Maybe Donald Trump. Of course not. So interesting, by the way, you saw these pictures and the life he led here in New York for many decades. So wild that he's the one who made Roe v. Wade go away. He did it. He did it. And it's interesting how quickly people forget. That celebration, it was awesome, right? People were very, very happy. They were fighting that for a long, long time. This is all in the news today because you may remember uh, there was a leak of the decision months before it came out. The marshal of the Supreme Court came out today that the team has to date been unable to identify a person responsible. They talked to about 100 people who would have access to that opinion. They can't find out who leaked it, which, oh, by the way, was unprecedented and put people at risk. Like Justice Kavanaugh, they showed up at his house right away and started doing all kinds of things. Hey, Liz Warren... I mean, she almost had a heart attack. I mean, that was even tough on the people we don't like. We don't want anybody to drop dead of a heart attack. And by the way, that ruling was phenomenal. Most people didn't read it. If you read it, and if you're a, a pro-abortion person, there's hope for you, okay? It goes back to the states. It is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. Is that a problem? I don't think so, actually. Um... 
the people who should be celebrating and supporting Donald Trump all the way to 2024 and beyond have abandoned him, apparently. Evangelical Christians, they're sitting on their hands, they're withholding their support for Donald Trump, and he's noticed that. They got something that they've been fighting for for 64 years or many, many years, right. and nobody thought they could win it. You know, they, they won. Uh, Roe v. Wade, they won. They finally won. And, you know, I was a little disappointed because uh, I thought they could have fought much harder during the election, during the 22 election, because, you know, they won, and a lot of them uh, didn't fight or weren't really around to fight, and it did energize the Democrats, but a lot of the people that wanted and fought for years to get it, they sort of, uh, I don't know, they weren't there protesting and doing what they could have done. It's true, and it's sad, isn't it? I mean, look at what he did. Those justices, Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, Amy Coney Barrett, especially Amy Coney Barrett, pulling that off given the limited time frame, it was amazing. Remember George W. Bush? He gave us uh, John Roberts. Okay, thanks a lot for that one. Uh, he did give us Alito, but you know what? These people, these country club Republicans, they never really were into the cause. They weren't. They kept the right to life movement at arm's length, literally, or many arm's length. Let's see here. It started, I think, in the Reagan era, these massive right to life rallies in Washington, D.C. Really great, really mobilized uh, people. And Republican presidents would just phone it in, literally, even the president I love. Ronald Reagan never went there. He just gave him a call on the phone. Bush was the same way. George H.W. Bush never actually went there. You know, wanted to keep those conservatives at bay. Uh, let's see, George W. Bush, right? He boasted, uh, he boasted about a lot of things. And anyway, only called them on the phone. What do you think Donald Trump did? It is my profound honor to be the first president in history to attend the March for Life. We're here for a very simple reason, to defend the right of every child, born and unborn, to fulfill their God-given potential. Not bad, huh? In person, he made good on the promise and it was 50, 60 years we were waiting for it. Where are the evangelical Christians? You know, I could say I'm an evangelical Christian. I mean, I feel, I feel a connection. I feel a, yeah, all right, let's get on board and help him. Oh, you like Ron DeSantis? Is that it? Because he, well, look, Ron is a talented guy. I personally am not ready for a president who's younger than I am. I'm not. Sometimes it comes down to those things. He'll be president one day. I love it. But it's not his turn. And Mike Pompeo, here's another guy who, he's basically already declared for president. He's declared for president. So disloyal. So disloyal. Donald Trump gave him two opportunities of a lifetime. Before Secretary of State, he was CIA. Listen to Donald Trump talk about his brand new CIA director and all the other people who came and wanted the job. But I see six, seven, eight people for a certain position. Everybody wanted it. But I met Mike Pompeo, and was the only guy I met. I didn't want to meet anybody else. I said, cancel everybody else. He was number one at West Point, and he was also essentially number one at Harvard Law School. And then he decided to go into the military, and he ran for Congress. And everything he's done has been a home run. People like him, but much more importantly to me, everybody respects him. You will be getting a total star. You're going to be getting a total gem. This is a gem. Think about it. Has anybody ever talked about you like that, right? Given you such a public endorsement? I think that, and given you really great jobs, I think that counts for something. How has Mike Pompeo paid him back? Well, he's running for president, and he's also insulting the guy that we like. It's good to see you. It's great to be a warm-up act tonight. <laughs> who, who knows, the next time we're together, we could be on a stage, multiple podiums. Who knows who else might be with us? Yeah, who knows? And, uh, and, and, and who, who knows who will between us? And who knows what nicknames we might have? It's, uh... 
Yeah, that was a jab at President Trump and a lame joke. And these minor players are turning on each other. Pompeo is coming out with a book pretty soon, and uh, he takes aim at Nikki Haley. Remember her, the ambassador to the United Nations? Let's go to Mike's book. He says that she made a play to be vice president. Uh, at best, John Kelly could tell they were presenting a possible Haley for vice president option. Clearly, this visit did not reflect a team effort, but undermined our work for America. All right, so she was briefly pushing herself to be the vice president. Number one, I'm not a Nikki Haley fan. Number two, uh, lots of vice presidents they've considered getting rid of before. It happens. It happens. And it happened to Mike Pence. Too bad it didn't happen to Mike Pence. Uh, Bush thought about getting rid of Quayle. Remember that? Quayle, much smarter, much better than people get him credit for. But H.W. Uh, Bush thought of tossing him. Eisenhower famously was, uh, <laughs> he was almost abusive toward Richard Nixon when he was the vice president. Nixon actually kind of returned the favor to the vice presidency by giving Agnew a hard time. And unfortunately, uh, let's see, Obama never seemed to have rethought having Joe Biden on the ticket in 2012. Uh, so Haley wanted to be vice president. I don't think so. I don't think she's going to be president. And uh, if she is, she's got to work on her material. It's too corny. And if Biden succeeds in getting back in the Iran deal, I will make you a promise. I've said it before. The next president will shred it on her first day in office. I, uh, that's cute, huh? It sounds like she's running for a den mother or something in the Girl Scouts. Not impressed. And oh, by the way, she perpetuated the Charlottesville lie about Trump in her book. Uh, she writes as follows. A leader's words matter in these situations, and the president's words have been hurtful and dangerous. No, they weren't. They were taken out of context, okay? And you're doing the same thing for your political goals. So let's go back to... President Trump, I think it's looking very good for him for the nomination. Forget about the fake news for a moment, all right? Look at these polls. Look at the numbers, all right? That is a commanding lead. And Nikki Haley and Mike Pompeo, you might as well quit now. You know who else should quit now? The ultimate... <laughs> him. He's not going to be the Democrat nominee, I can tell you that. I don't know who the Republican nominee will be for sure. Uh, I know for sure the Democrat nominee will not be Joe. And it is because of this uh, file situation and a whole lot of other things. I'll be right back. Well, there's Alec Baldwin, notorious hothead, very mean person, nasty liberal, and uh, he killed somebody. Remember on that movie set in late 2021? And he's being charged with involuntary manslaughter. It happened in New Mexico there. The maximum prison sentence he faces is five years in jail. Uh, and it wasn't just for shooting her. He was the executive producer, and he was basically running the movie set, and it was a disaster. There was such a lack of safety and safety standards on that set um, that there were live rounds on set. They were mixed in with regular dummy rounds. Nobody was checking those, or at least they weren't checking them consistently. And then they somehow got loaded into a gun, handed off to Alec Baldwin. He didn't check it. He didn't do any of the things that he was supposed to do to make sure that he was safe or that anyone around him was safe. And then he pointed the gun at Helena Hutchins and he pulled the trigger. And he pulled the trigger, and that woman, a mother, uh, is gone, uh, <laughs> dead. Terrible, terrible uh, story. I don't think Alec Baldwin meant to do it, uh, but he should have known better. And we have the footage of him taking aim. It's pretty creepy, pretty, you know, it's right there. And he takes out the gun, and uh, are we going to see something here? Here we go. That's, that's like a second before he actually does it. So... What does this mean? You heard the DA say he pulled the trigger. He says he didn't in an interview where he said a lot of stuff he probably should not have said. It wasn't in the script for the trigger to be pulled. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. So no. you never pulled the trigger? No, 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 no. I, I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them, never. never. That was the training that I had. You don't point a gun at somebody and, and pull the trigger at them. 
Got to admit, after this happened, I thought, you know, that's the end of Alec Baldwin. We won't be seeing him again. But he's back with the podcast, doing events, giving awards for Harry and Meghan being anti-racist. Yeah, there was a major event here in New York City, and he was the MC. presented them with the awards. Look, um, when you are a self-described Trump hater, you can do all kinds of things, and the left will forgive you or ignore it. Alec Baldwin notoriously has confronted people with the most Horrible words imaginable, very homophobic, uh, all over the place. Just, I mean, how anybody can act like this and, and still be accepted by Hollywood, that's very, very strange. But here's, here's why he's, he's been accepted by Hollywood, and, and so much of this is forgiven. I'd like to start by answering the question that's on everyone's mind. Yes, this is real life. This is really happening. <laughs> On January 20th, I, Donald J. Trump, will become the 45th president of the United States. Very bad impression. Horrible, horrible, no good. He plays Trump dumb. That's not the way to play him. Trump is smart. You got to play him that way. You got it? Okay. Uh, but this is how Hollywood rolls. Who remembers Roman Polanski? He made some good movies. Uh, Rosemary's Baby was one of them, but after that, I don't know. His wife was killed by the Charles Manson crew. Uh, but anyway, later, he allegedly had sex with a 13-year-old girl, all right? Statutory rape, all kinds of, right? He was, he was you know, he, he was charged. I mean, this, he's got a pending legal case against him in Los Angeles. He hits the road. He flees America and has not been back since all this stuff happened. He's in France, and Hollywood still loves him. In a moment, they would like to forget when this guy won the Academy Award with all these things widely known about him, they were up on their feet clapping like maniacs. And the Oscar goes to Roman Polanski for the pianist. Uh, you get the idea, right? I guess he made his speech over the phone. Uh, Hollywood is a bizarre place. Our culture is a bizarre place. It really is. They're portraying Joe Biden. You know, before this file situation, the secret documents, you know, they were portraying him as being on a roll, right? Joe Biden was hot. Joe Biden's moderate style, serious demeanor, and practical policymaking have given him large legislative accomplishments without triggering a massive electoral backlash. We don't talk about Biden's accomplishments enough. We don't tout them. This White House is on a winning streak. Joe Biden's a deal maker. He's a negotiator. He likes to use people as foils. And I think he's going to thrive. I really feel sometimes like I'm hallucinating when I watch the fake news and they all, all pretended the horrible thing in Afghanistan didn't happen. You know, Joe Biden also lost a war. Yeah, that's one of his accomplishments as well. And I... I'm not comfortable with the elections in this country, the election systems. I have doubts about the fairness of our elections, okay? And I also have grave concerns that the FBI has been helping Democrats in elections. We know they did in 2020 now, thank you very much to the Twitter files, and in 2022. This guy, Elvis Chan, is giving it all up. He was embedded, an FBI agent was embedded with Twitter. And they were pulling all kinds of accounts down if they said stuff that they didn't like about Joe Biden. It is that simple. Joe Biden has been an enormous beneficiary of so many people's illegality, in my opinion. But uh, this is what Joe Biden really is. You ready? Here it is. A useful idiot. This is a great term. A term currently used to reference a person perceived as propagandizing for a cause, particularly a bad cause, originating from a devious, ruthless source without fully comprehending the cause's goals and who is cynically being used by the cause's leaders. Now, doesn't that sound like somebody we know? Of course it does. Of course it does. And I'm telling you, this... These secret documents, it's highlighting everything negative about Joe, all right? It is. It's all there. And this ancient piece, it goes all the way back to, I think, Joe's second year in the United States Senate. He basically told the entire story about his uh, defective psyche back then, calling his first wife my beautiful millionaire wife. I find that. <laughs> Why is that important? It shows his fixation on money. 
on money. And the Biden brothers, all right, keep going. Uh, named one of the 10 best dressed men in the Senate, Joe Biden looks like Robert Redford's great Gatsby in natty pinstripe suits, elegant silk ties, and black tassel loafers. He dresses rich, but here's the thing. Joe Biden says, I am not a rich man, and my family does not have money. If I sold everything I own, including my house and cars, I could probably scratch up $200,000. But that's nothing compared to most of the guys in the Senate. $200,000 was actually a lot of money back in 1973-74. But he resents how rich everybody else is and how he's not rich. But he's going to change that. And the way he speaks about money is so weird, even for its time. Last September, when the Senate was debating a pay raise for itself, he said, I don't know about the rest of you, but I am worth a lot more than my salary of $42,500 a year in this body. It seems to me that we should flat out tell the American people we are worth our salt. Uh, who would say such a thing in a political setting? A guy like Joe Biden. And I was horrified by this, and they were horrified by it back then. A New Hampshire newspaper, I think the Manchester Union leader. A simple, as a simple explanation of the country and its sad state, no more perfect illustration could be given than an Associated Press dispatch from Washington, D.C., in which Senator Joseph Biden of Delaware is quoted, I don't know about others, but I am worth a lot more than my salary of 42500 a year in this body. Can you imagine the conceit and stupidity of a young man of 30 who would say that I don't know about others, but I am worth a lot more than my salary of 42000 a year in this body? The voters of Delaware who elected this stupid, conceited jackass to the Senate should kick him in the rear to knock some sense into him and kick themselves for voting for such an individual to represent them. That is tight. What a classic. Oh, God, that's good. But Joe with money. He resents people who have more of it. He's a senator for a long time. He thinks he's smarter than all these guys. Listen to how he talked about the oil companies. I think this is, a, this is interesting. We're going to make sure that everybody knows Exxon's prophecy. Why don't you tell them what Exxon's profits were this year, this quarter? Exxon made more money than God this year. More money than God. I never liked that expression. It's kind of blasphemous when you think about it, number one. And um, I sense resentment. I sense greed. How about you? But here's the, here's the real important part of this story, all right? And this is why he has to drop out. The central issue of my campaign in 1972 was to convince the people that I was intelligent and to convince them that I was honest. Can anybody say he's either of those two things now? I mean, really, given what we know. Anyway, that's it. I don't know if it's going to be Michelle Obama or Gavin Newsom or who's going to be the Democrat nominee, but it won't be Joe, I promise you. And I'll be right back. Congressman Byron Donalds, Republican of Florida, member of the House Oversight Committee, member of the House Budget Committee, and uh, others, and uh, played a key role in the, well, all those machinations to get Kevin McCarthy the speakership. Ultimately, ultimately, uh, also, he had one wild showdown with uh, Joy Reid, uh, really schooled her. It was uh, something to watch. Congressman Byron Donalds, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you, sir? It's good to be with you. How are you doing? Uh, welcome back. All right. First off, uh, you heard Joe Biden's latest uh, non-denial denial. There's no there there regarding the classified documents. What do you say? It's just so frustrating listening to Joe Biden doing doing this stuff. The truth of the matter is that the man had classified documents, documents uh, when he wasn't supposed to and where he wasn't supposed to. Uh, the truth of the matter is that what was happening at the Penn Biden Center is 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 really a bad situation because there were top secret SCI documents there. They were there from before he was president of the United States. And then the biggest piece of all 
is that the Department of Justice just thought it was cool to just let his attorneys handle it. But when it came to President Trump, they said, no, no, we have to send the FBI in immediately. Um, especially if, after what people really understand is that Trump's lawyers were negotiating with the National Archives over said documents. So what we're seeing is the biggest double standard we've seen in quite some time. I mean, this is typical for the Democrats. But then you have Joe Biden trying to say there's nothing going on. That's just simply not true. So um, the FBI, we uh, we know about their malfeasance, but I want to I'm starting to get really annoyed by uh, the National Archives and these archivists. OK, uh, they're it's supposed to be sleepy. It's supposed to, you know, not make a big deal. They're librarians, basically nothing against librarians. Take a look at this letter that I believe they sent your committee. Let's go to uh, full screen 10, if you don't mind. Um, they're telling you, basically, they're not going to share records with you. they got to go to the Department of Justice. We had begun the search for responsive records, and we would have to consult with DOJ regarding the release of any such records. DOJ has advised it will need to consult with the newly appointed Office of Special Counsel in DOJ. Uh, this is relating to the investigation into what's going on with these documents, Joe Biden. How do you feel about the National Archives saying that they don't have to... And my, I read that as they don't have to respond to the American people. Well, what I'll say to the National Archives is that we'll keep that under advisement when it's time to reauthorize spending for your agency. <laughs> um, that's the kind of stuff that we're just not going to tolerate uh, from in, in the House under Republican leadership. They have a responsibility to answer these questions and also to give more details as to what the double standard was between President Trump and now with President Biden. Because it was the National Archives are the ones who made this made this thing about classified documents such a, such an issue with Donald Trump? And on the side note, listen, most people think about the National Archives when they went and watched National Tre Treasure, the movie with Nicolas Cage, not to be at the center of classified document issues. So we'll see what they say. We have to start looking at their budgets. Donald Trump, I know he's a fan of yours. Uh, I know you uh, you admire him and respect him. Uh, you are from Florida. There's a governor there, DeSantis. Uh, I'm sure you have, uh, you know, uh, communications with him. Uh, have you made a choice yet uh, for 2024? Well, look, right now there's only one choice in the room, and that's Donald Trump. He's running for president. You know, I've, obviously there are rumors about what Governor DeSantis is going to do or not do. But until that decision is made, you know, that, that there's a lot of stuff that's got to happen uh, between now and then. The biggest thing is what we're going to do with this House majority. I'm focused on keeping the Biden administration accountable, holding them accountable, and then doing the necessary things around energy policy, border border policy, spending on Capitol Hill, and then also our tax our tax issues to make sure that the American people can be prosperous and thrive. I know you guys are going to find out the facts, uh, but do you have any theories? Uh, and why is this happening to Joe Biden now? Uh, some of us, myself included, think that this is an authorized takeout. They don't want him to be the nominee. I'm talking about people like Barack Obama and Susan Rice. And quite frankly, it's easy to get people in violation on, um, on classified documents. I think there's something to it, to my theory. But uh, I mean, why is this happening? Well, look, I mean, first, um, why would they be trying to take out Joe Biden? I mean, who's your backup? Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, uh, Gavin Newsom? I mean, it's not like they got a deep bench anyway. So I don't really know about that. The biggest thing right now is I don't want to really come up with with scenarios or theories because we want to follow the facts and follow the information. What we have seen from the Democrats the last four years when they controlled the House is that they picked targets and the target was always Donald Trump and they did whatever they felt necessary to try to, to, to criminalize him and that's the wrong way to go about it. And so what we're going to do is do our investigations and see where that takes us. All right. Hey, I, I want to play this moment. Joy Reid and you on MSNBC. Uh, hey, a great job going over there, and you were fantastic. But I want to play a moment, and we'll talk about it. Do you know that Social Security is going to be insolvent in 2035? It is not going to be. That yes, is not true. Will. That, that is, is actually not true. No, it's actually not true. Now, it's actually not true. It's actually not true. But it's actually not true. Financial community. You were nominated for speaker. Do you not believe that the idea was to make a diversity statement by nominating you? Well, actually, first, that was not the idea. Shouldn't students just be learning about reading, writing, and arithmetic? And history? so you don't that believe that students should be, should be learning about level? the racial history of the country because critical Actually, race theory is not no, taught. Hold, hold on. on. Critical hold race on. theory is not taught in You're, a single no, K through 12 school.
You know, I just don't understand people having members of Congress on, and apparently Joy Reid knows all the answers ahead of time. I mean, she should run. Uh, any thoughts on that, on that uh, I guess we could call it a showdown, that you won? Well, I mean, look, the biggest thing is about taking the ideas of conservative, conservatism and what Republicans are going to do to all voters, to all places. Um, that's something we have to consistently do and be a part of. So whether that's doing her show or, you know, Morning Joe or any one of those shows, I'm here for that. I'm here to do that work because there's a lot of voters, you know, who don't watch networks like yours or some of the other ones that have more conservative leanings, but they care about the country, too. And I think it's high time the Republicans uh, do that job of taking those policies to other networks. You know, not full time or anything like that, but you got to go out there and make the case. Specifically to Joy Reid, I wish she would just give me a give, give me a chance to actually answer the question. She might have learned a thing or two. Yeah, right, right. She seemed to have all the answers. I, I, so many people in media, by the, by the way, just like that. They, they think they know everything. Very strange. Congressman Donalds, we appreciate it. Continued success, good luck, and we'll be right back. All right, George Floyd. It's terrible what happened to him, but it's also terrible that he chose a life of crime and drugs. He did. It's also terrible, actually, that the cops didn't leave him in the back of the police car. He had a panic attack, and in an effort to help him, they actually removed him from the police car. You know what happened next. All of that is awful. But the reaction to his death was over the top. I mean, it was just so disproportionate, I believe, to what actually happened. It was awful what happened, but the reaction was insane. I try to address this in my new book. It's called Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. And the reality they pushed that summer led to the demonization, the demonization of cops. I mean, they delegitimized law enforcement coast to coast. These images are considered glorious by the left. I write in my book, actually, beginning in early June as Minneapolis and then other cities face rioting and arson, the mainstream media and leading Democrat politicians went into denial mode, insisting that you should ignore the evidence of your two lying eyes and instead absorb and believe the narrative that they pumped straight into the American consciousness without regard for fact. Thus began one of the most shameful episodes in American public life, as the elites engaged in a war on the truth, blaming the police and an innocent public for the collapse in public order and the destruction of our urban centers and fueling a fake narrative about America, who we are, what we are, what we've become, what we've gone through to get here, and totally ignoring what is a real problem. The FBI at one point recognized that black identity extremism is a problem, but then the woke police got a hold of them and they ignored it. They actually took the term out of all of their forms and books because you're not supposed to even talk about that kind of stuff. But it's real. When that crazy man mowed down all of those people at that parade in Wisconsin, and that was ignored. His cancerous ideology, his racist ideology is real, and he's not the only one who has it. But the FBI can't acknowledge it and can't pursue it. Frank James, a black identity extremist, allegedly opened fire on a train. Actually, I think he's pleaded guilty by this point. And uh, if the FBI were more vigilant, maybe they could have seen this one coming. You useless white whore, dirty white you want to look down at me? you. An insane and dishonest conversation in America has prevailed over the past couple of years. My book is an effort to address that and to correct it. I do it on the show, I do it on my social media, and now this book, I hope you enjoy it, Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement, available pretty much wherever books are sold, and I thank you for your consideration. We'll be right back. Just two months after losing his election for the New Mexico State House, the Republican candidate is being accused of orchestrating a plan to shoot at the homes of four Democratic officials. Pena lost his race decisively by nearly 50 percentage points, but still falsely claims it was rigged. 
Oh boy, you hear that? Have you heard about this story? Uh, a Republican allegedly went on a rampage because he lost uh, an election. Look, people have been running for offices. Sometimes kooks run for office and weird stuff happens. They, of course, the left, the mainstream media, they want to say, it's January 6th all over again. What happened to Gretchen Whitmer? What yep. happened on January 6th? We could go on and on and on. And what's the common de denominator here? The common denominator is Donald J. Trump, okay? And in New Mexico, what we're seeing here is a little mini January 6th with the Trump playbook. Oh, boy, they are so exploiting this, and it this is dangerous. And here's the New Mexico Secretary of State doing her part. We also need to continue to raise the call for this rhetoric to stop, for the lies and the mis and disinformation to stop, because we know that it is radicalizing people into political violence. Yeah, no, this is where it gets dangerous, right? When they try to stifle free speech, citing a crazy case like this, as if this stuff never happened before. Unfortunately, crazy people are out there and they do crazy stuff. Long before Donald Trump arrived on the scene, Gabby Giffords, remember her, Congresswoman in Arizona? She was shot, her life changed forever by a psychotic individual who was found unfit to stand trial because he was, well, crazy years before Donald Trump uh, got into politics. I think that was in 2011. This happened 20 years ago. A Democrat shot another Democrat at City Hall right here in this town. I saw City Hall completely surrounded by police. All the surrounding streets were shut down. The subway system underneath City Hall shut down. The Brooklyn Bridge shut down. I had never seen anything like this in my life, in my career. It was a harrowing ordeal that seemed almost surreal. They cut into programming and said shots fired inside City Hall, councilman dead. Brooklyn Councilman James Davis, a former police officer, died from two gunshots to the chest. And he was shot by a man who uh, ran for office, a Democrat, Councilman Davis. Great guy. I met him a couple of times. Shot and killed by the man on the right who was killed by police. Most famously, perhaps, in San Francisco, uh, a mayor and some other high-ranking official was killed by a Democrat. Oh, by the way, yes. Roll it. I'm, as president of the Board of Supervisors, it's my duty to make this announcement. Both Mayor Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk have been shot and killed. Oh. She is, that's now Senator Dianne Feinstein, totally frazzled, understandably so. Democrat Dan White, he was frustrated about some political slight, was the shooter. We'll be right back. <laughs> Are they going to blame that on Trump as well? All right, tonight, death of a tyrant. Let's check it out. Schmidt tonight. Last night, one of the world's most perverse examples of authoritarianism abruptly announced her retirement. Jacinda Ardern will step down as Prime Minister of New Zealand sometime in the next couple of weeks. The resignation is a big win in the fight for freedom. Ardern was a spawn of the World Economic Forum, a favorite of Klaus Schwab's. She made a name for herself by morphing into a dictator during COVID-19. And at a time when there was so much uncertainty, one thing was certain in New Zealand. People were not allowed to be free. Western liberals drooled as Ardern adopted an apocalyptic style response to COVID. The media adored the COVID tyrant, already on the radar after the 2019 Christchurch shooting, after which the government banned AR-15s. Jacinda Ardern exploded into Jacinda mania, as they called it. The young prime minister was a hero to millions in this world who longed to be controlled by their government. A rapidly expanding subsection of Western society, liberals who are happy to give up freedom to somebody who promises to weaponize it against conservatives. During COVID, this cancer was horribly evident as those who fight for freedom were labeled as anti-mask, anti-science, anti-mandate. 
And people like Jacinda and Gavin Newsom and Tony Fauci painted themselves as the heroes of science while destroying your business, your child's education and your quality of life. During COVID, liberals around the world screamed, lock me down harder, and that's exactly what happened. In New Zealand, it was illegal to go into your neighbor's yard to retrieve a lost cricket ball. Travelers had to isolate in government-funded hotel rooms for 14 days. 14 days locked in a hotel room. Think about that. Much like in America's blue states, Western governments around the world competed to see who could deprive their people of the most freedoms, and New Zealand won. Don't talk to your neighbours. Please keep to your bubbles. It comes down again to those very simple principles. We know from overseas uh, cases of the Delta variant that it can be spread by people simply walking past one another. So keep those movements outside to the bare minimum. That was 17 months into the pandemic, by the way. After the rapidly developed vaccine arrived, another, another moment of great uncertainty, Ardern fully embraced Big Pharma's claims. The miracle had arrived, of course, and if you weren't willing to get injected, you were to be phased out. So you basically said this is going to be like, well, it's almost like uh, you probably don't see like this, the two different classes of people. If you're vaccinated or if you're unvaccinated, you have all these rights. If you are vaccinated. That is what it is. So, yep. Yep. The arrogance was so obvious. Jacinda Ardern knew absolutely nothing about the vaccine, but for the first time, liberals implicitly trusted Big Pharma. Why? Because their political opponents were suspicious of Big Pharma. That's how tribal we had become during COVID, still are. And liberals took it to the extreme, fighting to the death to protect full-term abortions. But if you refuse a vaccine, say goodbye to your life, say goodbye to your career. Thousands lost their jobs in New Zealand. And even today, in certain industries, you're still not allowed to get it back. In early 2022, though, after 18 months of intense lockdown restrictions broke many Kiwis, protests began. And New Zealand's government beat their people into submission. This is two years into a pandemic. Later that year, enough Kiwis were weaponized with the knowledge that their government had guessed wrong on COVID, realizing that targeted lockdowns were the right answer, watching the world economy failing and armed with the knowledge that the forcibly mandated vaccine was not preventing transmission or spread. With all of that, suddenly Jacinda Ardern's popularity plummeted. But she didn't mention any of that in her resignation speech yesterday. She whitewashed it all like this. I am leaving because with such a privileged role comes responsibility. The responsibility to know when you are the right person to lead and also when you are not. I know what this job takes and I know that I no longer have enough in the tank to do it justice. Mm. In reality, Ardern's approval was in the high 20s. Her party in the mid-30s, that's low. It meant she realized that she was toast. Jacinda didn't realize she had nothing left to give. In truth, nobody wanted anything from her. Her resignation came a few months after she and her government finally released New Zealanders from lockdown measures, desperate to save her political career, of course. It's funny how bad poll numbers can actually change the science, isn't it? Bad poll numbers can change whether or not you need to wear a mask in public, whether or not your kids have to wear one in school. New Zealand's government held out almost as long as the Chinese Communist Party, but public opinion finally broke them. It was finally the end of Jacinda mania. The New York Times, her biggest cheerleader, put it like this. In a part of the world where COVID restrictions lingered, Ms. Ardern has struggled to get beyond her association with pandemic policy. What a nice way of putting it. Or you could say, a tyrant who refused to cede freedom back to her people until it was far too late resigns in disgrace after realizing she had no chance to form a new government. Former Trump advisor Sebastian Gorka joins me now. He was there in the room during COVID. Uh, it's good to have you on, sir. An awakening has occurred in New Zealand. Uh, I think it's a huge deal because this woman was an unstoppable force two years ago, and now she's getting tossed to the curb. Yeah, she was the uh, wicked witch of the Antipodean East. And, and it kind of, it's hard to fathom to this day 
how our brothers and sisters, Rob, in New Zealand, in Australia, caved even worse than we did. I mean, you're a little bit younger than I am, Rob, but, you know, where, where are the crocodile dundees today? The idea that they had literal camps. If you don't believe me, look it up. They had camps where the government would force you to be quarantined if you dared, dared go against the system. That's in Australia. That's in, 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 in New Zealand. It's, it's a good sign that there is a rejection of this, this, this proto-fascism that we're seeing. But it should have happened earlier, and it should have happened in America. I, I, as an immigrant to this nation, for me, it's one of the most tragic things, Rob, that when, when that little fascist Fauci said, mask the children, shut down the schools, unless you're Walmart, unless you're Amazon, you don't get to stay in business. Yeah. And what did we do? There was, you know, one restaurateur in California, one gym owner in New Jersey. It should have been tens of thousands of businessmen who said, no, 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 no. I get to feed my children. And guess what? My employees right. get to feed their children. We're not doing it. So yeah. maybe this is the sign of some awakening. But guys, well, it's where been for the last three years. Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree. One, one shocking thing that we did learn during COVID was that there is a large subsection of society who are almost excited to give up their freedom when it's yeah. demanded by the government. And that, I think, I think that was a reality check for a lot of people in this country. Yeah, and, and for me, I still see it. Every morning, I, I walk my dogs past this beautiful playground, and I still see young parents, Rob. These are these are, you know, husbands and their wives in, in their, what, late 20s, maybe early 30s, and they're walking a little toddler, maybe a two-year-old, and they've got a mask on its face. Just the sheer idea of what you have done to a whole generation. Mm -hmm. 20 years from now, we will be eating the bitter fruit of having our children masked at that point in, in, in life where they need to see another human being's face, their parents, their teachers, their, their school friends, more than anything else, to learn how to function, to, to read people. Yeah, this, this, this has to end. It has to end now. And human beings should be allowed to make their own health choices. Yeah. How long have we been told? It, it's the 50th anniversary of, of Roe v. Wade this year. Tomorrow it's going to be the March for Life for the anniversary. Yeah. How long have the liberals told us, my body, my choice when it comes to killing children? Well, guess what? My body, my choice when it comes to masks and vaccines and well everything said. else. Yeah. Let's throw it back in their faces. Here's Klaus Schwab, the same year that Jacinda was elected prime minister. What we are very proud of now is a young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.